Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Bible, go to Luke's Gospel, the 23rd chapter. Uh, every woman in here say, everybody pay attention. Ladies, I'm going to help you this morning. And, and so nudge your husband and say, listen, well. Verse 55, would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? Luke 23, verse 55, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after. And they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found, this sounds like some kind of a women's auxiliary. <laughs> right? You make the casserole, I'll, I'll make some calls. And, and, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened. Say it happened. As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Man, aren't you glad we serve a risen God? Oh, man. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them. Say, other women. Other women. One of the other Gospels talks about Susanna and Salome who had told these things to the apostles. Man, do I have questions. That portion of Scripture raises questions to me. Who were other women? Why were they together? Where were the disciples? Where's a man when never? Why didn't they just go home? I got questions. Father, I pray this morning that our eyes would be open, our ears open, to what these women can show us about faith. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Do you know you were never intended to go through life alone? God said, it's not good that you are alone. And he gave him a woman. It's not good to be alone. So we have women. You were never intended to live without relationships. You were intended to have healthy relationships, an arsenal of relationships. Heather tells me that I'm a collector of people. I, I like different. My friends are different. Sometimes my friends can't stand each other. They're so different. They're, they're just, I love, you ought to have an arsenal of friends. So you ought to have friends that can provide support for you when you go through dark times. And, and dark is here. I, a couple of weeks ago I talked about that. Loneliness, however, is at an all-time high. Loneliness, depression, suicide, even heart disease and cancer can be attributed to the fact that people get lonely. Loneliness. With, with all the ways we have to communicate with one another, and we still can't connect with each other. 
with all the ways we have to communicate, and yet there's very little communion, very little connection happening among people today. They're still lonely. They're on Facebook all the time, but they're still lonely. They tweet all the time, but they're still lonely. And the reality of it is, is that in order to be human, you have to have a friend. God said, I call you friends. Moses wanted to see glory, and God wanted a friend. Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, I want to be your friend. It's interesting to me. And God sent his son. You know, he didn't send a book. Next time you come up to me thumping what the Bible says, I want you to understand that people can take the book and misuse it to do whatever they want. God didn't send a book. When God wanted you to know who he is, he sent himself. That book is scripture. I realize all of you raised to be told that book was the Word of God. The Word of God is a man named Jesus. And when you take that scripture and you use it to tell me something that doesn't line up with who the nature of Jesus is, I'm going to go with Jesus. I just want to show Jesus forgives people. Jesus loves people. Jesus is nice to people. Jesus is kind to people. And when you use the scriptures to beat people up, I want you to know you're misreading the scriptures because you have to read the scriptures through the life of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is. And God said, I want to be your friend. And then he said, I decided, I chose you. You didn't earn the spot, but I chose you before the foundation of the world to be my friend. Did you know there won't be any marriage in heaven, but there'll be friends? You better be friends with her if you think she's going to talk to you in heaven. Because just because you was married to her for 50 years doesn't mean she's going to like you in heaven. Because they won't be married in heaven, but you can still be friends. Friends trump marriage. See, I think marriage makes friendship complicated. If you're single, it's easier to be friends than married. Why? Because sexuality complicates it. Listen, the world's confused about sexuality. They're not confused about friendship. Oh, listen to me. I'm talking good this morning. God wants you to be his friend. In order to be fully human, you have to understand that you are to live in a relationship with God that he refers to as a friend. That's my friend. I have many friends because they're friends with God. If they're friends with God, I have to figure out how to live in the reality that a friend loves at all times. Have you ever had a friend not love at all times? They're not a friend. A friend loves at all times. A friend sticks with you closer than. A friend is something that trumps the other types of relationships and we are impoverished because we have allowed Facebook to tell us what a friend is. A friend is the result of a choice. I choose you. I choose you. I, I, I chose you before the, I choose to be. I've decided to be. Irregardless of what you can do for me. I didn't choose you because you're advantageous. I chose you because I want to be good to you. I chose you because what I have can help you. I chose you not because of what you can do for me, but because of what I can do for you. You see, friendship is a one-way street. It's God doing everything for you. There is nothing you have that God needs. Not one thing. He chose to be your friend, not because it's to his advantage, not because you're all that pleasurable because I've seen your attitude, but because he wants to do good to you. Having a friend is about what you can do for that person, not what they can do for you. Oh, well, watch how quiet it gets in here. 
I just gave up on friendship because they hurt me. And that wasn't a friendship. That was a bargain. That was a deal. That's Monty Hall, you know. Monty Hall. You don't even know who Monty Hall is. <laughs> There's lots of people making friends like Monty did. What do you got? What do I got? Let's make a deal. Friendship's not a deal. Friendship's a one-way covenant. I've decided to bless you. I've decided to die for you. I've decided greater love have no man than this than he laid down his life for a uh, we're all caught up on what's my right as long as you stay in that you don't know Jesus because Jesus gave up his right and you're a follower of Jesus Jesus didn't defend his rights Jesus surrendered his rights uh, yeah, now, now, uh. See, when your nationality comes in conflict with theology, I'm going with theology. When your nationality comes in conflict with the Bible, I'm going with the Bible. You cannot have a friend if all you're talking about is what my right is. You are not loving when all you're talking about is what is my right. That's the government. The Bible says that Jesus chose you and to be a friend is to die for someone else. You know how to solve every marital problem? Whatever you want, baby, just have it your way. <laughs> you know how I've stayed married 44 years? <laughs> She's up here going, careful. <laughs> Christian married love is the persistent effort on the part of two believers to create from one another the atmosphere and or the environment where both can become all that God intended them to be. Where did you get that? Her. She didn't say it, she lived it. I was married about 12 years before I realized that all she was doing was creating for me an atmosphere or environment where I could flourish. If two people get together and they create atmospheres where one another can become all that God intended... Everybody asks me, would you do a parenting conference? It's easy. Create atmospheres where your children can discover, develop, and be deployed to their highest and fullest potential in Christ. That's all you've got to do. Create the right atmosphere. You dummy, that ain't the right one. Am I making any sense yet? We are called to live in relationships. We are called to live in friendships. And that friendship begins with a choice and it is flourishes in a conversation. I, I want to look at most men and say, you're going to have to learn something else besides, uh. <laughs> I can't figure out why she's mad at me all the time. It's because when you come to counseling, you sit there, uh-huh, uh, uh. Men are terrible at this. They can go to the bar and talk all night. They go home and they ain't got nothing to say. See, you make a choice, but you have to live in conversation. God created the world with His words, and you sustain a relationship by communication. And if you can begin to converse, you'll move into this reality that you'll have some sort of shared identity. Do you know you're nobody by yourself? The Lakota Indians have a saying, Mbutu, I am because we are. Uh, the reason you have an identity is because you're in relationship. If you remain alone, you'll never find out who you are. It's only in relationship that you discover who you truly are. It takes, you cannot live this Christian life alone. Faith is not an individual journey. It's a corporate reality. Because you can't just love yourself. You have to love someone else. By this they know you're my disciples because you have love for other people. Your personal faith is of no value if it's not expressed to someone else. It's only in the expression of your faith and your love for other people that your faith is truly revealed and you discover who you really are. 
Who you really are is determined by the relationships that you develop in your life through your journey. That's what gives you identity. Listen to me, if we'd live in the choice, live in a conversation, and live in this ongoing connection with people, we'd end up with a company of people. When the disciples were released from prison, they went to their company. Who's your company? Who are you sharing life with? Who is it that's walking with you? Who is it that you're walking with? I used to ask, in fact, I preached message after message, what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when all hell breaks out? What to do when you don't know what to do? A better question that I ask at 63 is, uh, who are you walking with when you don't know what to do? Who's around you when all hell breaks loose? Who are the people that surround you? Who's your support group? Who is that? Who are the friends that will never leave you? Who are the friends that will stick beside you? Who are the friends that have a common goal? And that is to see you become the best you can be and you helping them become the best they can be. That's what church is supposed to be. Church is not about the denomination. It's not even about the thing they say they believe. It's about how they share life with one another and commit themselves to each other. That's what church really is about. Church isn't just about you getting goosebumps because we have a great song service. Church is about sharing life with people. Notice how quiet it gets in this church. If we begin to do that, we begin to understand that we live in this relationship with one another and we're living out the love that God has shared with each one of us. Friendship is not an option. Friendship is the very foundation. I am here to tell you that without friends, your faith will fail. Without others around you, you will face something and you will not have the amount of faith you need to go through it. Listen, I grew up in a culture where if you had enough faith, you could get healed. And then I watched people die. And then everybody said, well, they didn't have faith if they only had faith. Listen, can I tell you something? There are moments in my life I didn't have the faith, but the friends around me had the faith. That that theology about if you have enough faith, that's a weak theology. That the true theology is if you surround yourself with people of like faith, then when you go through a dark time, you'll walk in the light as He is the light, and you'll have fellowship one with the other. First John. But you have to walk in that kind of relationship with other people. You have to commit yourself to other people so that when you need it, there's enough collective confidence in the reality of Jesus Christ that you can live through that moment. Amen. Oh, notice how quiet it gets here. This reality that we are never supposed to live life alone. We're never supposed to walk in faith alone. But we're supposed to surround ourselves with people who can encourage us at those moments. Anybody here play tennis? Yeah, I got one. He was the same one in first service. One. He plays tennis. I hate tennis. I hate tennis. Did you know that tennis is the only sport that's around that you cannot receive coaching while the game's being played? Anybody know who Serena Williams is? A few years ago, she got a penalty because her coach or her trainer tried to give her instructions while she's playing the game. You cannot receive any encouragement or coaching if you're a tennis player. Most people are living their life like that, alone. I hate golf. There's no coach. There's nobody going, yes! In fact, if you, if you decide to live your life alone, I think you ought to live as a boxer. Because at least a boxer has a corner. And they ring that bell, you can go back to the corner, and there's somebody that will help you for a minute. You and I were never intended to live our faith singularly. We were called to live our faith collectively in this thing called the body of Christ. You weren't meant to do this alone. 
Now then to my text. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. I really think if we'd pay more attention to women in the Bible, Deborah, Abigail, who are they? See my point? Nobody preaches about Deborah or Abigail, or, or uh, no, no one talks about Ruth, really. Most people only know about Eve and the mess she got us in. But thank God for Mary who said yes. You see, if we pay attention to how women respond, we might be able to see an insight into how women relate not only to God, but to one another. If I think about it, the best examples of faith are my grandmothers. And this week as we helped mom move into this final stage of her life at Bueller, I begin to think about how mom helped us and about how she lived her faith rather quietly but consistently. And it brought me to this portion of scripture of Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother, Mary the mother of James, Salome, and Susanna. I mean, they watched them to see where they put Jesus. They returned with the spices and the oils, and they rested on the Sabbath, but then they got up early on the first day of the week. Women get up early. They got up early, and they went with other women. Say, other women. Women always go together. Men go alone. You'll get it in a minute. Men never get up and say, let's go to the bathroom. <laughs> Men say, I'm going to the bathroom. Women get up and say, let's all go to the bathroom. But they get up and they go. I don't know what they do with that. <laughs> Women do things together, even things that, think about it. Women always do things in herds. <laughs> men, men might go one or two, you know, but, but women travel in they have parties all the time. When we were first married, it was always Tupperware. They were always bringing boxes of Tupperware. We had more Tupperware. We could have put the neighbor's food in a container. And then Mary Kay. There's only so much lipstick you could buy. Mary Kay. But I, now it's, it, it's I got to look around, make sure. Uh, <laughs> be careful here. But there's, there's jewelry parties. There's cooking. Women do it, to, say, together. Men, we got to pay attention. They do this together. I don't think they could have ever raised children if there hadn't been more than they. They. Who were they? Who were these women? And my big question is, where were the men? Here, these women are getting up early in the morning to go finish something for Christ, and the men are hiding. No, they're in the upper room. In this story, they're hiding. <laughs> Bunch of cowards that go to work to hide from the kids. Uh, if I stay long enough, I'll get here. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> oh, I could get myself in real trouble. Why didn't these women just go home? Why didn't they just walk away? I have questions. I have questions. Who are you sharing life with? Who is the crowd you're running with? Who are the people that you stick with? 
Are you trying to face life alone because people are negative? Get rid of them. But you have to face, people give up on friendships. You can't do that. Listen, I've told you for years, you're either going into, coming out of, or you're going to head into another storm. Life is filled with troubles and trials and traumas, with tribulations. There's always going to be something that's going on. How and who are you going to do that with? Who are you going to call when... See, I've never gotten to choose what I go through. I've never got to choose the challenges of life, but I have got to choose who I go through it with. I have got to determine who it is that I can call. Friendship's messy, but I got to tell you, when you're in a mess, you need one. Who are they that you spend time with? They, they were all from Galilee. Galilee's in the north. Jerusalem's down here. If you can walk well, you can get there in six days. These are women. It's at least six or day. These are serious followers of Jesus. They left their home in the north. They followed him six, seven days to Jerusalem. These are serious followers. When they say, I follow Jesus, they can show you the corns on their feet. They're followers. They're not just one day and gone. They're here. They're serious about it. Who are these women? Luke chapter 8 gives us an insight. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city village preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene out of whom had come seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who had provided for him from their substance. Who are these women? I'll tell you, they're women who had encountered the very power of God. They're women who had been thrown in the dust and threatened to be stoned. They're women who had had issues of blood for 12 years and stayed hidden from public view. They're women who had been bent over for 18 years. They're women who had been tormented by demons. They're women who had had to sell their bodies in order to live. These are women who were a part of a Me Too movement before America ever knew what it was. These are women who had experienced deliverance. These are women who understood that Jesus was the one that came and set them free. Is there anybody in this room that can talk to me about how God set you free? I am convinced that most Christianity in America is a masquerade. They're masquerading. Well, I believe Jesus died and rose again, and yes, I want to go to heaven. I'm not talking about that, Bruce. I'm talking about people that have experienced what it means to have been drunk one day and sober the next. I'm talking about people that were addicted to this and now they're not. I'm talking to people who had an anger issue, but God came and delivered you from that demon. Hear me. The church is not psychiatric care. The church is not about making life cushy. It's not therapy. The church is supposed to be filled with people that had an encounter with a God that could set them free and let them be what God called them to be. Most of America has settled for a facsimile of the church. These are women who had encountered the God that didn't just save them from their sins, but delivered them from shame. From shame. Do you know shame is like mold? Yeah. 
It grows best in the dark. See, these are women that had been brought out of shame, and they're not going back. They've been brought out of bad situations and horrible situations, and when Jesus died, they stayed together. Can I tell you something? The deepest friends in my life have stayed together not because we've always liked each other, but because we had one thing in common. Jesus changed our life. That's why. These women knew what it was to live before Jesus. And they understood that there was nothing to go back to. They had been healed. Anybody in here? I've, I've been healed. I've been healed. I've been healed. I've been whole. I've been delivered. Listen to me. It is a spirit of infirmity. Sickness is created by the devil. Sickness is created by the enemy. And we need to return to a gospel that Christ brought. I came to heal you, to set you free, to put you at liberty. We need to remember he didn't just come to go, oh, when you die, you get to go to heaven. That's boring, number one. Uh, And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And they provided for him out of their substance. I've stumbled over that in the last few weeks. They provided. They cared. They gave their money. I'd like to tell you these were rich women. I'm not sure. I think they were probably women living on Social Security. Uh, Women that that were living on fixed incomes. i got to tell you, this ministry has been supplied generally by people that are on fixed incomes. I can tell you, the, 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 the woman that sticks out in my head the most is a lady by the name of Ruby Nielsen. And most of you don't remember Ruby. But, right, Connie? Every month, $56.27. Can I tell you why? Because her Social Security was $560 a month. Can I tell you that when she sold something made a little extra, it would be $9.22. These are women who took of their own substance to support Jesus. Listen, the people that I am friends with are people that know God delivered them and everything they got is His. Can I tell you, my deepest friendships are people that are serious followers of Jesus Christ. I have friends that aren't Christian, but I'm talking about they that stick, that stay, that are able to face the darkness when darkness comes. They are people that have been touched by the power of the living God and now their lives are to support the announcement of the kingdom of God. I meet people all the time and say, oh, we miss you. Where have you been? I said, I'm doing the same thing I've always been doing with my life, preaching the kingdom of God. I'm about Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing in my life. It's the only thing in my life is Jesus. If I ride motorcycles with somebody, it's because he knows Jesus. If I go lake with somebody, it's because I know Jesus. Whatever I do, it's because they know Jesus. They. You act like church is the only thing. There's something else? Listen to me. I ain't playing baseball with you if you don't know Jesus. 
I love you. But if that's not the center part of it, I ain't got time. It's Jesus. I'm serious. And can I tell you, we're living in dark times. Get the sermon a couple weeks ago. We're living in dark times. You got to know who you're walking with. You got to know who they are and what they stand for. You got to understand the relationships around you. These women knew why they were together. They were brought together because they had an encounter with God. I once was lost, but now I'm bound. I once was blind. When everything else goes, all you have are those people. And darkness comes. Jesus died. The boy died. They, They didn't understand what to do with it. They didn't know what to do with it. Faith without friends will always fail. But they stayed together. They walked together. They stood there or sat there at the cross. Where were the men? The women stayed. Where were the men? The women stayed at the foot of the cross. Where were the men? See, it's harder for men to admit that without him you're nothing. It's harder for our ego, guys, to stand there and watch another man be beaten to death. It's harder on us. We want to stand up and we want to fight. Because we can't fight. Women can't fight. Not really. They've been beaten their whole life. Come on. But they stayed at the cross. They watched him breathe his last breath. They heard him say, forgive them. Men would have been fighting. Don't you remember the guy that led them swung a sword? But this God did not defend himself. He could have. I just want you to know he had 10,000s of angels. He could have. But the Christ that I follow surrendered his life of his own free will. Gave his life away. Greater love have no man than this than he lay down his life for a friend. They sat there and watched as he gave his life. (sighs) You have to feel that this morning. You have to understand that God loves us so much that he gives his life to us. They watched it. They felt it. He died. They'd never seen love like this. Men always want to take something. This man was giving something. If you're a woman, you understood what I just said. You you take it. This man took nothing. I'm a Christian because there's never been another God, another story, where God gave everything and took nothing. (sighs) You're going to go back to Galilee? You can't go back to Galilee. There's nothing to return to. We're captured by this love. They followed and watched where they put him. They went home and prepared spices. They waited till the next day. They came back to the tomb and they walked in. The collective faith of these women gave them the strength to go back to the tomb. When, when you face a death, when you face a disease, a diagnosis, a divorce, the loss of a job, you need collective faith. Oh, Rebecca, I could, uh, 
resilience. The ability to bounce back has nothing to do with your individual faith. It has everything to do with the company that you keep. Listen, I have faced things. I had no ability to be resilient, to return to my former self. But I was surrounded by you. I can start naming the people, Bruce. I can start naming the people in this room that held me when I couldn't stand up. See, you have to have collective faith. This whole my personal faith, my personal relationship, it'll fail you. You'll come to the end of yourself. I've watched it. I've experienced it. But they had a collective faith. They were held together by the common understanding that it was Jesus that changed their life. They were held together by a common reality that the message of the love of God is worth everything. And the reason you don't have people commit to it is because we've watered down the message. But it is mercy, 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 mercy. There's nobody in this room except for the blow of mercy. It was the blow of mercy that every time I turned around, he was giving me grace. Still probably. In the midst of that, who is the collective ability to give you the, the ability to recover when all hell breaks loose? I know people all the time say, well, do I have to come to church to get to heaven? No, you can stay in hell. <laughs> did, did, was I clear? <laughs> to be alone is hell. It is. It, no, you have to have friends. Sometimes you can find it in church. To be collective here in our faith. To return to that place that you saw him last. <laughs> the last place I saw God. Can I tell you, I remember standing and looking over that hole. And looking into that grave. Looking down there. That's, that, if the last place you saw God, he, God was dead. But you got to return to those dead places. You got to return to where that dream failed. You got to go to that point because it's at that point. You got to go back to that failed marriage. You got to go back to that lost relationship. You got to go back to that place you fell off the wagon. You got you to go to that. You got to go there, that dark place. Until you can face that dark place, you'll never see the light. Listen, you think, you think I'm... And when they get there, the angels of the Lord say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Oh, oh, these dead zones. These dead zones. How many have... You know what a dead zone is? Yeah, I have no signal. I can't hear you. you know, a dead zone. There's no... Come on, it don't... I can't... How many of you have lied about it? Gotcha. <laughs> You're dropping off. I can't hear you. <laughs> dead zones. You know what a dead zone in a relationship is? It's that place where you compare yourself to other people. You ever compared yourself to other people? That's a dead zone. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Dead zones in a relationship. Dead zones. I have. My boat's on a, on a marina. It's on a boat dock, and then there's other boats. And, and I'm with Hampton the other day, and I'm bald-headed. And just in case you didn't know, and 
we're on the boat, and this friend of mine comes on, and he's got a boat, and it's a nice boat, and he's bald-headed. And he comes on, hi, how you doing? Gets in his boat, nice boat, backs out, and he's driving away off the boat dock. And Hamp looks at me and goes, Pops, he, he, he's bald-headed. I said, yeah, he's bald-headed. He said, Pops, he, he has a nice boat. I said, yeah, he does. He goes, why don't you look like that? <laughs> he is alive. Because <laughs> now he, Gene has these pecs. And this, it's rough, you know. And Gene doesn't wear a shirt. Not on the boat dock. And Hampton and Pops, why don't you look like that? I wanted to drown that 11-year-old. Have you, have you listened to mothers, though? We, we don't take our kids to McDonald's. We only take them to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like going to McDonald's makes you a bad mother or something, right? I love seeing that girl in McDonald's. <laughs> Hi, babe. How are you? I'm going to McDonald's, right? Comparison will kill you. When you compare yourself to other people, it'll kill the relationship. It's a dead zone. The, the, the other one is when you get critical, right? You get critical. That's a dead zone. You, you, you can kill a relationship by comparing or by criticizing. You, I mean... I just want you to know that the picture that posts on Facebook is a lie. I love these before and afters. It's called holding your breath. Well, I can have a chest for two minutes. Nonsense. Comparing, being critical. How about competing? Competing is a dead zone. You ever been going through something, but you have a friend that has been through something worse? And trying to make you feel good, but yeah, but when, but, but, but I have it worse. That doesn't help you, right? You know, you, you want to go, oh, drop, never. <laughs> Those are dead zones. You, you'll hurt relationships. You'll never find life if you spend your life comparing, competing. If you spend your life, Right? Uh, this is the one, the, the dead zone that I think is really cool is people compose their own story. When we were younger, it was, I'm blessed and highly favored. You knew they were broke as hell. <laughs> everything's great. You know, everything's great. Marriage's great. Life's great. Job's great. Yep. They compose their own story. You know, if I don't know your marriage is in trouble, I can't pray for you. You know, if I don't know that you're struggling to get pregnant and having trouble with that, I can't pray for you. As much as you think I can read your mind, I cannot. That, that if you don't share with your friends that you're going through a difficult time, they can't help you. If you think you come in this room and everybody in here is a Pentecostal mind reader, that's woo-woo. That's woo-woo even to me, and I talk in tongues. That's woo-woo. Listen, you can't compose a life because you're afraid that other people will think bad of you if they know the truth. And most people compose their own story and put on a facade so that they have this image that I'm, I'm a good Christian. Can I tell you the best Christians I know are people that admit they're weak. People that admit sometimes life just vacuums. 
You get it. Hoover. Never mind. Dyson. Compose. You can't. Listen, you got to bring it into the light. You got to bring it into the light. Why do you look for the living among the dead? That has captured me. Who are the dead zones in my life that I keep staring for life? Who are the dead places in my relationships that I keep staring for life? I've got to stop comparing myself. I've got to stop competing and criticizing. I've got to stop composing a story that really isn't the story. Am I making any sense yet? Who are these women? These are women that are honest enough to tell you what was really going on in their life when they met Jesus. They're honest enough to tell you that without Jesus, we're just staring over into this tomb. That God will meet you in that dark, dead, failed dream place and said, I'm already out of here. I've already passed through this. I've already defeated death. I've already come and defeated every demon in hell. I passed through it and I didn't stay here. Don't stay here. Come follow me somewhere else. Don't stay in that low place. Don't stay in that disappointment. Don't stay in that. And the only reason they could get through it is because they were together. Because together you can move on past that tomb. Together you can move past that trauma. Together, you can move past that divorce. You can move past that diagnosis. You can move past that loss. Together, you can move on. These women were together. They were friends of the highest accord. If you read the scriptures, you'll find they came from this city and this city and this city. Because he traveled all over the city and here's one and here's one and here's one. I bet they were black and white and fat and Hispanic. I bet they were Afghanistan. I bet they were everything you can imagine. But they had one thing in common. God had touched their life. And they left everything and followed. And man, you have to hear me. It is obvious. It is obvious. The men were cowards. Can I tell you why men were cowards? Because yesterday they were arguing about who was the greatest. Oh, I could preach. Men are always arguing about who's the greatest. Women understand if we don't stick together, we got real problems. If you're a woman in here, you ought to be going, this is good. Listen, it was the women that went to the church and prayed when I was a kid. It's still the women that put the potlucks together to go to the house when someone dies. It's still women that show us how to be together. It's still mama going, no, you're coming over here for supper. Think about it. We could learn a lot from how women nurture their children. No, I know you want to kill your brother, but he's your brother. Without friends, your faith will never make the test. My question this morning is simply to look at you and say, who are you sharing life with? Are you stuck in a dead zone? 
Are you comparing, competing, composing, criticizing? That'll kill they. That'll kill this collective ability to have relationships. It'll kill that. You gotta move beyond that in order to hold us together. And if we're together, this is pretty good. I didn't know this was going to be, I did, I, when I started this, Rebecca, I didn't realize it was going to be a sermon on resilience. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get that. It wasn't my intent. But if you want to be able to bounce, if you want resilience, if you want to move past even the death of the Christ, who are the they in their lives? Who are they? Who are they? And do they know it? Have you told them? Do they know it? Stand with me. I got three minutes. I'm serious this morning. I believe with all of my heart that the presence of God is here to deliver you from the work of Satan. It is not God's will for you to be sick or tormented, addicted. It's not God's will. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somewhere in the next few minutes, if, if you need personal prayer, please ask me. Please ask someone to pray for you that you'd go free. Isn't it interesting? As often as you come together, do this. table every week together so that we can remember Jesus died that we might live. Jesus came that we might go free. Not just as individuals but together. We'll make it together. I've never, I'm always reminded of it when I stand in this room and I'm doing a funeral for someone and the room fills up with people and Carol were here, some of you were here on Tuesday, and this room filled up with people. Daddy didn't have to do that alone. He was surrounded by people. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Yeah.